politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew, a new revolution for our life, liberty, property, civilization, bodily autonomy, and everything that matters. If that is your agenda, that is your hope and aspiration, well, increasingly, this is your only one-stop shop of independent, prudent, conservative talk that doesn't exist. We don't uh, get on conference calls with GOP leadership. We don't speak other people's talking points. In fact, we have such unique talking points, you cannot plagiarize them. Daniel Horowitz back here today, and it is January 6th, two-year anniversary of a day that has become a punchline and a slogan that is not a slogan for what they think it is. It's just the opposite. As we pegged it from day one, and slowly but surely but not really, the conservative ink losers are kind of getting to that position two years too late, but we from day one pegged it as a Reichstag moment where it was induced a mixture of FBI saboteurs, provocateurs, chaos with Capitol Police, needless provocations, firing weapons. By the way, um, we're going to have, obviously, coming up, Joseph McBride, one of the lead attorneys for the J6 uh, defendants to discuss the significance of the day, what's going on, the significance of the news that has just come out on a thousand more indictments coming down the pipeline. Um, I didn't get this from him. From a, it was from a different lawyer. I have seen footage, and I'm just going to tell you the reason why they had to do pretrial lockups and and change civilization, spy on us, create all these programs to make us terrorists before the trials, and then delay the trials is because when the discovery comes out in the trials, this issue will be dropped eventually. The video that's out there makes it very clear that a lot of you know what precipitated this is very clear. Um, there's just too much footage for them to hide. And again, that will come out. But in, in the shadows of this speaker fight, and really one of the greatest moments of our lifetime in so many ways, that has so much promise, not so much for the mechanics of this committee and this rule, but for what it means in terms of the path forward that we all didn't know what to do. What do you do? You have a uniparty, but we don't really have another party, and we don't have the ability and the people and the voices to start it. They have given us this blueprint, which I roughly talked about last year, how to use it as a parliamentary system, how to play block and tackle, how to have the mentality that we don't care, we'll shoot your hostages, Proverbially, obviously. Um, and that's the, that's the beauty of this. We're not even asking you to pick up a gun. You don't need to, thank God. All you have to do is just say no to the, to the GOP. You get to yes to for us, not the other way around. That's all it takes. They're exposing the fraud of the last 40 years. But it ties together with January 6th because that was a catalyzing event. See, it's a new It's a nuance. It's something we couldn't prepare for. It's not something we have in our Rolodex of how to think as a conservative. It's not abortion. It's not taxes. It's not guns. Okay? It's something unique. Oh, wait. They're going to induce something to lock people up for doing nothing and now investigate and indict just supporters of protesters? I mean, are you kidding me? And 95% of elected Republicans bought it hook, line, and sinker. 
And we can't go on like this. You can't live in a country where they're rounding up political opponents. This is kind of a big deal. So we're going to have Joseph McBride on to discuss January 6th and the anniversary coming up. I first want to frame again, give you an update of what's going on and what it means. First, our sponsor today, look, um, folks, with every day more studies showing how these shots are going to take years off of people's lives, now's the time to uh, buy life insurance. And a lot of you might have it from work like I did, but but typically, very rarely do you have enough. Often, it's only 10% of what you need, especially if, like me, you have a family of, of six and uh, you know you're gonna need a good seven eight hundred thousand dollars. You should really get. Um, it's it's hard. It's tough. It's tough shopping for it. Policy Genius. They're not an insurance company, but they aggregate for you within minutes online uh, with their technology. They make it easy to get all the top companies and give you an apples to apples lowest price comparison. With Policy Genius, you could find life insurance policies. Here's the thing that start at just $17 per month for $500,000 of coverage. Obviously, a little bit more if you want a million. But the thing is, the rates are going to go up, and they already are. They have also licensed agents who can help you find options that offer coverage um, in as little as a week and avoid unnecessary medical exams. They're not incentivized to recommend one insurer over another. That's the good thing. So they're independent. It's not like some of these Salem talk show hosts with the GOP. Um, that's not their relationship. There's no added fees. No personal info is uh, released. Your loved ones deserve a financial safety net. You deserve a smarter way to find and buy it. Head to policygenius.com slash Daniel or click on the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save today. That's policygenius.com slash Daniel. Do it before it's too late. And I just want to say, obviously, I've been behind on a lot of the COVID research and vaccine stuff and you know all the other projects we're working on I want to get back to next week, hope, hopefully. But uh, this is from Jicky Leaks. He's an Australian doctor on Twitter. He put out there's a new paper published here at AHA, Circulation, which is the... Uh, organ of um, the Cardiac Association just published yesterday circulating spike protein detected in post-COVID-19 mRNA vaccine myocarditis. And they found 436 trillion copies of spike protein circulating freely in plasma a month after the gene therapy vaccine in kids. Their hearts will never fully recover. You just you just look at that alone, and it's like, wait, wait, what? As I said yesterday, I was asked on an interview, will all these revelations and studies and data coming out make a difference? And I said, no, it won't. And the reason it won't is because you need a united movement or political party to bring it to the forefront. You can't have one or two guys yelling from the back. And this, my friends, is exactly what these 21 individuals are doing for you and me, not for themselves. Take yes for an answer. answer. Stop imputing motives on them. They're finally fighting for us, and I'm going to take yes for an answer. So that we're not just potted plants in the Republican Party. We're the masters. You're the slaves. And you know what? We'll use leverage. We'll blow things up. We don't care. Because we've suffered since Reagan 
with this, you know, even Reagan was just a start. We should have built upon him. Instead, we went backwards. We're sick of it. We cannot move forward on a single issue of consequence until the GOP, as it is currently constituted, is burned to the ground. There is no way you could refute that fact. There is no way. I, I have tons of ideas. Let's do this. Let's do that. Oh my gosh, you have super majorities here. And I sound, you know, like a recorded record. Every day I say it. But the problem is we always meet this resistance. There's one problem. It's not really a supermajority. It's a supermajority leftist majority because the Republicans are fake. And until we're willing to exert our pressure to do what they do, and I don't mean physically shooting people. You know, we say hostage taking, but it's a, it's a metaphor. We're going to use the leverage we have. We, stop, we, we need to not be ashamed, like, oh my gosh, you can't ask for that much, or that's not right, you can't hold up the proceedings, or, you know, if they are able, it's like, excuse me, what's more disruptive? People pushing a genocide, something pushed into 5.5 billion bodies, or holding up the stupid speaker's race for, for a week, which doesn't matter anyway. The last time I checked, whoever runs the executive branch or Congress, either party, either permutation, it's the executive branch doing what the hell it wants anyway. What do you think COVID was? They went home. They literally did nothing other than come in for three seconds to UC unanimous consent, the biggest spending bill in the history of the country, greenlighting the lockdowns and pharma fascism and COVID genocide. And then the executive branch took it from there. So screw it. There's no point to proceeding, getting on with the show, unless you change things. So, before we get into any, um, the minutia, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit, but I don't want to get too lost in it. With the two factions, what their motivation is, what each one's trying to get, strategically, when you take this, do you take that, do you go for the kill and get out McCarthy, is it counterproductive? These are all things that reasonable people could disagree on, and you have to know the facts on the ground, and as of today, it's still very fluid. There's no official deal. Um, so it's hard to pass judgment. And you need to kind of hear it out. But I want to say, no matter what happens, all the ones who participated are heroes. They've done more than I could have done myself, would have had the guts to do. You know, I'm always complaining. So here I'm finally saying, yes, let's take yes for an answer. Take yes for an answer. Support these people. Don't dump on them. The problem is these thumbsuckers, and, and that's for you, Fred, our listener, Fred in Virginia, he doesn't like toe dippers. He's, he's concerned that we're going to retire thumbsuckers. So we're going to bring back the thumbsuckers that, that sit off to the side. The reason why they can never admit they're wrong because it would, it would expose the entire charade of the empty suits for the last 40 years that they would sit there and carry water. Oh, Daniel, it's either that or the Democrats. Nothing we can do. No, actually, you could just assert your will in a forceful manner using specific leverage and be willing to do that. And it'll be able now it's too messy. We got to look united in the face of the Democrats. And mind you, like I'm saying, it's not even like there's any big thing that you're it's not even a government shutdown. It's a house shutdown, which doesn't do anything. 
it literally does nothing. And again, it's not, there's no risk of the Democrats gaining control unless McCarthy's allies choose to do that. But they would have to choose to do that. But if they do, that would underscore what we're talking about. That if you, it's like, you can't do surgery on the establishment because if you push them too hard, they'll join with the most radical Democrat conference in the history of the country. Well, what do you want from me? So I can never do anything. That's the point. If you're going to be, we can never raise our voices. Notice they said, now, 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 you've made your point. Time to back down. No, you mother blankers. This is not about making a point. This is about making change. This is not about posturing. It's about posterity. It's about how are we going to ensure that we have freedom of speech, freedom of, freedom of bodily autonomy, sovereignty, basic things we never thought we'd have to fight for. Otherwise, just cut out the middleman and just elect Klaus Schwab as speaker because that's what you get anyway. That's what you get. Now, let me give you a great example of this for our next sponsor, our new sponsor, Jace Medical, and, and their Jace case, their packet of five different courses of antibiotics that you could get a prescription online for and get it preemptively. My wife just had this problem. She just burst in. You know, I've I've not been a good husband this week. I've literally been writing, researching, and on the phone like from six in the morning to midnight. She, so she bursts in. It's like, I can't get, we need medication for our old, oldest son. They don't have it. Basic medications, they're out. They're out. And and there's many factors. A lot of it's a controlled demolition. But a lot of it is from the COVID regime. So one factor is, why is amoxicillin scarce now? Well, there's several things. The lockdowns made a generation of kids at a critical age off their immunological cycle. So now they have a weakened immune system. The shots have weakened immune systems. And then because the FDA went all in in the Pfizer genocide promoting the COVID biomedical products, they shut down their basic operations. So like, for example, you need the constant maintenance and inspection of manufacturing facilities. That's just one example of why you can't get these medications. So everything's backlogged. This is what Republicans went along with, but I digress. Take your own health in your own hands. Jace case, again, contains things like anti, um, amoxicillin and doxycycline, things that you commonly use for UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis. Um, again, ideal world, you have a doctor, you have a pharmacy, but the world is collapsing. So this is a way to kind of do what we did with COVID medications you, it's simple, affordable. You go to jacemedical.com. You use offer code REVIEW10 at checkout for $10 off your order. You, you fill out kind of like what we did with, um, with uh, the, the ivermectin stuff. You, they, have, they have a pharmacy attached to it. You uh, fill out your information brief survey. It takes about 10 minutes You know because they have to officially have a prescription. They can't just dispense it legally. And then, boom, you have it on hand for when you need it. JaceMedical.com, offer code REVIEW10. 
So I want to just give a brief overview of the contours of where this is headed. And the devil's all, the devil is in the details. So it's going to matter. And also you have to know the facts on the ground. Like how close are you if you would reject the deal to maybe McCarthy falling? I don't know the answer to that. And I'm just going to let you in on a secret. Unlike McCarthy's side that is leaking everything to the Fox Salem cumulus crowd every second, even though they say they're really not for McCarthy, they're just for, you know, doing things right, but they don't define that, but they are for McCarthy, um, very much so, and he's literally, I mean, that's what he's been doing that for years, and he perfected that art. He actually communicates with them and all of his minions. Even people like Chip Roy whom Steve and I text with pretty much every day for the last 10 years, I have not spoken to him for two reasons. Number one, he doesn't have time to go to the bathroom with what he's doing, so I'm not going to bother him. He doesn't have time to answer. And number two is they actually don't leak. Believe it or not, they don't leak. I don't know. I don't know what is going on. Um, And that's the difference. So I, I can't give an accurate assessment you know, a lot of this is just prudent. You have to have the facts. And this is the difference between me and the thumbsuckers. They just emote. They look at something. They read a political article. And they, they know everything there is to know. There's no humility. And, and a lot of times, you, you really have to learn it. I'm going to tell you broadly what, what the principle is. But he, here's what it is. There's two factions. But that's oversimplistic because a lot of it melds into it. They're really of the same mind. There's a sensibility that some people absolutely said, I will never vote for McCarthy. He's an anathema. He's disgusting. And and we need to break the cycle of the next in line and show that it has to be done. Because the problem is if you don't do it this way, it will never happen. Because they buy off too much power. And in a private conference vote, you go into conference, they're going to win 5 to 1, 7 to 1 ratio. You're never going to get anywhere close. Even Mike Pence, who we all know is a establishment puke but even when he tried to jump the next in line he got crushed by Boehner um crushed like like five to one it will never work because they they have all the power no one's gonna rebel against them so this is the only way to do it and then you have the people that didn't make that commitment but they said look we want the house to run differently different things with the rules decentralization of power offering amendments um, majority majority rule and we talked about that months ago and you know and then you know obviously some things with the rules committee other committees fine not to challenge incumbent uh or not to play in open seats in deep red districts which McCarthy was doing all the time and somehow all of these talk show hosts don't seem to have a problem with that and now they're like oh he made that concession what's your problem well Okay, but why didn't you fight for it to begin with? Um, so then th- there's those people. So what's happening now is a once-in-a-hundred-year circumstance. because, And I'll tell you why. It's the convergence of two factors that never occurred before. We have never had a group of people that got together with such amazing intrepidness to say we are not backing down. And we're going to use the right leverage at the right time to force it. In conjunction with factor number two, which is we've never had 
such a soulless whore like Kevin McCarthy before, even in a town where everyone's kind of like that, but he takes it to the next level, where this is his whole life and there's nothing he won't do to get it. So the two together created a unique situation where the dog, at least of those who are pursuing the concessions, will catch the car and he'll give you everything you want. So it's like, oh, great, what do we do now that a lot of people pledge never to vote for him? So I want to say this. If indeed this deal does materialize on paper and it is what it is, yes, I would be inclined to take it. And I think it's the better choice. I think we could unify the 21, hold a press conference, shame Con Inc. that was going to do this with nothing and have a tremendous victory and use this as a blueprint in primaries, in state legislatures, and go on with it. I'm inclined to do it. But I'm not going to dump on the people that might hold it up, even though they still have enough to hold it up, even though I think it's the better position, because it's a little bit more nuanced than that. You have to understand that to their enduring credit, like Andy Biggs, the only reason Chip and Bishop and these other guys were able to potentially, and this is all you know, up in the air as I'm talking, to secure a deal like this is because people like Andy Biggs, Rosendale, Good, Norman, and Gates from the get-go, but now it's kind of, there's a few others like Lauren Boebert who weren't originally there that are now like they're not never going to vote for Kevin. Um, they took it to the next level and said, we will never, ever vote for him. The problem is you can only enable the concessions with on the backs of what they did. You have to appreciate that. The problem we always have, it is so hard to do this. It has never succeeded before. And the reason I said is because let's say in the past we needed 13, 15 people to do it against Boehner. We theoretically had the numbers, but practically we didn't. Why? Because everyone's scared that each one's going to cave. So each one wasn't sure and it fell apart. They right away said he needs, he can only lose four. We are five. We will never vote for him. They, they deserve enduring credit and I can't dump on them for, for being, for, for, sticking to their pledge. It's a very complicated situation. And I think they all deserve credit. I, I wish they would kind of, and I'm not saying this now, I'm saying hypothetically, if what is being reported is there. As of now, there is no deal. And I'm going to get into why there isn't and to defend some of those other five to eight holding out, I'm going to defend that in a minute. It's not so simple. Oh, he gave you everything you wanted on paper. It's not so simple. But if that's true, I'm inclined to take it. And let me first, I'm going to give you point, counterpoint, counterpoint. It's all, I'm thinking out loud, and I think they're all doing this in good faith. And I want to just say, we've I've been here before with a lot of different friends, both people fighting this outside, people, elected members, that, Sometimes when you are dealing with such a subversive, not just a party, but conservative movement, and not just the establishment, but the fake conservative members in there too, there's so many five-dimensional game theories that you have to work out. So 
the reason why I would take it is not just because we get to shame everyone and show this is what we secured by using leverage and this is what we're going to do in the future. And also just the, you know, utility of some of those things that we're going to get. I don't want to overstate it because at the end of the day, we don't have the Senate. We don't have the the presidency. And I think to begin with, the whole federal system is irremediably broken anyway. And we need, you know, national divorce. So I don't even know, like, so what? Okay, whatevs. But part of the problem is this. If indeed this is what we have, what we would have is that we denuded everything from McCarthy, but we still have a gun to his head, and the first move he makes, see, this is this is exactly what we told you he was going to do, and then he's screwed, we have motion to vacate, we do it all over again. The problem is, let's say we fight on and say McCarthy is unacceptable, which is absolutely a legitimate point. He was unacceptable even to the broad conference years ago. Always viewed as such. The problem is, so so like this, I'm going to make an argument for taking the deal that only I could make the argument, only Chip Roy could make the argument, only Thomas Massey. And again, they're not, Chip is not making the argument as of this hour, 11, 12 a.m. Eastern time. He is saying there is no deal at this point. So I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth. It's very fluid. But if hypothetically the contours of what is reported to be materializing, these SOBs, I want to just say, that are out there, you see, take the deal, take the deal. What are these idiots still holding up? Yeah, we could make that argument, but no thanks to you. You are fighting even the Chip Roy guys who are trying to secure this agreement. No thanks to you. If, the, if not for the conviction of their courage to be stared down, because of you guys, they would have, you know, historically backed down and we wouldn't have gotten this. Because you guys don't give a darn. All you want to do is make a point, but not make a difference. Because you suck. Every one of you. And you know who the hell you are. And this is not just about McCarthy. It's about a hundred things over the last 20 years. It's a modus operandi from these people. I'm not making an argument, it's the best we can get. No, I'm making a more nuanced argument. See, the argument I'm going to give you doesn't apply to these guys. Because the type of speakers that could emerge, they would think they're awesome and better than McCarthy. They actually should be fighting for that. You see, let's say... Let's say... um. I don't know how to how to put a name on this. But let's say McCarthy is like Hugh Hewitt. The realm of outcome of what we would get is let's say Sean Hannity to kind of put like a face you're familiar with. So here's the deal. Here's the concern. See you you fight on let's say let's say Ke- Kevin would back down which I'm not sure if he would I'm not sure I'm not clear on what would happen let's say he does and let's say all 21 are united screw you you're gone you're just looking like a fool just throwing the kitchen sink in you have no credibility anymore you're gone and let's say he announces he's stepping down you have an issue that we all agree you're not going to get a Freedom Caucus guy, right? No one, no one 
has that. So let's let's kind of look at the broad conference. Basically, you have 30 to 40 Freedom Caucus on the right. You have the 40 to 50 Rhino Governance Caucus on the left. And then you have the broad 170-member Republican Study Committee, RSC, in there. And if you noticed, one of the things they did yesterday is nominate Kevin Hearn, who's the incoming chairman of the RSC. And it's actually a very good point. All, like... What they're trying to say is, look, you have the Freedom Caucus to the right. You have the Lunch Bunch to the left. He is the chairman of the largest caucus, 170 members. It's it's the overwhelming majority of the of the conference. So don't tell me. And, and he and even publicly has not rejected it. He said, I would consider it like more or less. So when these thumbs are like, there's no one but McCarthy, it's actually not true. From their end, Kevin Hearn is better, more conservative and done. And that should be unifying. But from our end, let's face it, the RSC are fake conservatives. So the same pressure that's brought to bear when you reach a deadline on the farm bill, a deadline on the debt ceiling, a deadline on government funding that forces them to act in a certain way, these guys, even if they're better than McCarthy, they're not strong enough to withstand it. Except now, this is your guy. You laid down for a week and blocked the house, and you got him. Now you got to take yes for an answer. Now we'll have no leverage to complain about the guy if he screws with us. And, and also, who's to say you're going to get all these concessions and everything? And, and even though, I mean, they might be better human beings than Kevin McCarthy, but the problem is, meaning McCarthy is not the problem. The GOP is the problem. They all suck. So you have to work this out. Now, the GOP water carrier talkers, well, they love these guys. So to them, they have no leg to stand on for not getting rid of McCarthy and getting a more smart, serious conservative. But the problem is you and I don't like smart, serious conservatives because we know what they really wind up doing. So this is the game theory there. And our concern is like you can get a guy like Jim Banks who has a lot of ambition. He was the previous RSC chair. He was regarded as like the most conservative guy by every one of these talkers, including Tucker. Tucker likes him. I'm just going to tell you that. But he's the new Mick Mulvaney, if you know what I mean. The gap between what he actually is and his, and his reputation is the biggest gap I've ever seen. It's a very big problem. Um, we're screwed. There's nothing we can do. That's the game theory it's a very nuanced argument that only people like us can be concerned with and make. That is the argument for taking the deal. Now, to be fair, to be fair, there is a counterpoint, and I think this is what's holding it up. And kudos to, as of this recording, to Chip and all these guys negotiating that they're not rushing into it. So here's the problem: McCarthy's like, "Okay, you want this? I'll go. Whatever you want. I just want to be a speaker." So the problem is it's not so simple. So like he doesn't – even though he commands the support for a speaker, but he doesn't control everyone. And you're full of the Tom Coles, the Kay Grangers, the Mike Simpsons, the old bulls. Now, if you think about it, a lot of pukes that have been whoring for these positions their entire life, it's not so simple that what they're going to step aside and allow – Chip and the gang to step in there. So it's not so sick. That has to be ironed out. Like he could say, all right, I'll give it to you. Okay, then we vote for him as speaker. And these guys are like, screw it. We're not doing that. You know, and you wind up with nothing. So that's kind of what's being negotiated now. 
So I, but but if if we could ensure that it is enduring, I do th- I am inclined to say that is the smarter play, not necessarily for the reasons you might hear from others. But I you do have to understand these other guys are the ones who built it. And then also, I just want to say, they do meld into one. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, you're changing the goalposts. You started out with the rules, but now it's just because you don't like McCarthy. Yeah, we don't like McCarthy. What, we're so bad? What, you like him? Meaning, it's part of this mentality of like, you have to treat the GLP nicely. No, we don't. Like, let me give you an example. Let's say... The Senate worked like the House, where the Senate Majority Leader was like the the Speaker, and it's not just elected by the conference vote, but by the whole body, and you need 51 votes. And let's say the Republicans had 51 and they were in the majority, and we want to get rid of McConnell, and he needs 51 votes. Well, as you know, we only have 10 votes against him. We have no way of knocking him out because the conference is a reflection of him. They're pukes. But... 10 could deny him, and you know, all the Democrats would vote for Schumer, and the 10 would deny him. Now, M- McConnell, everyone agrees now, 10 years too late, yeah, he's, he's bad. Okay, fine. So you agree we need to go after So let's say the goal is concessions. But, but let's say as time goes on, we gain so much traction, and we hold the rebellion so long, we feel we can go for the kill and get him out. Oh, you're going back on your word. What do you mean? Like, like we have to fight honorably for liberty? No. I'm not saying we're going to kill people. We're going to steal. But, yeah, now we have more leverage. We're going to use it. That's what they do to us. The rhinos have been boxing us out for years that way. Like, suddenly, like, you need to be play nice? No. They're able to engage in genocide on every policy issue, and that's okay? And we can at least use the same just political tactics. I'm not talking about physical tactics or, you know, no, no one's holding a gun to anyone's head. Let's get real and stop, stop, you know, taking this literal. But we can't use it for liberty. So they're right. I would just say strategically, I don't think, my, my concern is that getting out McCarthy might be less, not more. That might not be going for the Glory going for the gold, you know, going for the touchdown rather than the field goal when you think you can you can make the play because of of just what I explained to you. And just by the way, not to put words in his mouth, this was one of the initial concerns of Thomas Massey, which is why he didn't join it to begin with, is because his point was the conservatives are even pukier than the establishment and you you don't have as much leverage with them. Again, arguments only someone like he could make who has led all three Boehner fights and was the only one to vote against Ryan on the floor, by the way. Um, And by the way, if you notice on social media, he's been dead silent about this. He just talks about January 6th, Ray Epps, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, and he's actually been extremely helpful in the background helping with negotiations, unlike some other people who should know better that have been going to the liberal media, much less the thumb-sucking fake conservative media, and just dumping on our guys. And it's, it's just really indefensible. Um, so, so Thomas is totally good. Just, just know that. I just wanted to give you a sense that there's a lot of different reasons, depending on where you sit and what you're trying to accomplish, 
for doing the right thing, and you could both be right at the same time. So let's see what happens, but the broader point is whatever does and doesn't happen, this is the blueprint. This is how you break the logjam of we know we need a new party, but we don't have it. So what do we do? But that first takes a recognition that you need a new party. These people don't believe that. You have to believe we need it. You might say, well, it's a practical. They don't believe it. They are happy. They love being Republicans. They love complaining about it, but they love doing nothing about it because it's a symbiotic relationship. Just like the Republicans and Democrats are a fake uniparty, WWE fake fight, so too some of these conservative figures are a fake fight with the Republicans. And I think that that scab has been ripped off largely, not with all, and it, you know, you got to go down the line who you're talking about, but with a lot of them, it was largely ripped off with Ukraine and COVID and vaccines, which were really the revealing issues of our time. And, and January 6th, to a certain extent too, not guns, taxes, and abortion, but that's what matters. This is what we, and, and I, I don't have time, but we're getting crushed in a lot of these red states by the rhinos using leverage against us. Montana, Ohio, um, there's a great article I want to get to next week on um, uh, in na a National Review writer of all places, how gender ideology conquered South Dakota, how Christy Nome and that entire enterprise and her donors and Staff are bought out by big healthcare cartel, and that's why she opposed getting rid of mandates and everything. Even primaried people who did that had to be rebuffed by the legislature. She's a fraud beyond belief, um, and now she's out there, her you know, attacking Ron DeSantis. By the way, she's going to be Trump's stalking horse, just so you know. Um, that's that's the game. With that. But the point is, the reason why red states are red is because all these guys are like potted plants, we don't have the votes, and they don't assert themselves. They don't assert themselves. I've always said, you could use the Republican ballot line, but once your guys get in there, you essentially operate as, I hate the party, and we're just going to operate as, uh, you know, an independent party. No, you're embarrassing us. No, I don't care. We don't consider it, so what? But you have to be willing to get your hands dirty. And that's what these guys don't want. They want someone to ride in on a white horse. They don't have to fight for it. They don't have to do anything. And when I say fight, I, I literally don't mean a revolution. I mean just what we're talking about today, politically. We don't even have to do that. It's so stupid. It's so pathetic. The answer is right in front of our eyes. But without a critical mass willing to do it and building the support, yeah, we don't really have too many answers. We're at a logjam. That, before we get into the minutia, the rules, do you accept it? Not, some do, some don't. Then it holds it up and maybe they ruin the deal. Again, that's going to be a judgment call. They're all patriots in my mind. We'll see what happens. But the blueprint has been set. But in the remaining time, I do want to get back to commemorating January 6th otherwise should be known as Ray Epps Day. So folks, I mentioned earlier and yesterday that there was a huge revelation that one of the major judges in the federal district in D.C. that's been involved overseeing, presiding over all these cases 
from January 6th, came out, said he's retiring, and said, look, there's another thousand potential indictments coming down the pipeline from DOJ. I just don't want to deal with this for another four to five years. And and I cannot find anyone who's written about this. Maybe someone did. I have an article out uh, just now this morning on this and just kind of framing the importance of this. But folks, this is the backdrop of the speaker's fight and why we cannot afford to play this game of make a point as conservatives, but then back down and not force change. This you cannot imagine what that means. And in order to illustrate what that means, another thousand people roped into this. We have with us one of our new best friends, Joseph McBride, one of the lead attorneys for some of the key January 6th defendants who's been fighting indefatigably for human rights, civil rights, legal norms that have been distorted and thrown out shockingly, almost with pre-enlightenment values. Um, and his he needs a lot of help with his work. Joseph, thanks so much for joining us. I know you're very busy this week. Thank you, Daniel, for having me uh, today. I appreciate you and all your hard work. Uh, today is the anniversary, obviously, of January 6th, which is also a high holy day on the Catholic Church as we celebrate the epiphany of our Lord, and so to all of your listeners who share the faith, happy Epiphany, and to all of the fellow believers out there, please continue to, to pray for us, to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because we need his help uh, now more than ever. Amen. So let's get started here. Um, could you elaborate a little bit? Obviously, you know, you are a lawyer here. This is a live case. we got to be careful but talk about Judge Thomas Hogan's revelation and its significance. Judge Thomas Hogan is one of the, was well is is currently still the most senior judge on the bench in the D.C. District Court. He was appointed by Reagan, I think, 1982, um, and different. Uh, he's held different offices: Chief Justice of the District Court, Chief Justice, uh, Chief Judge of the FISA Court. Uh, and so on and so forth amongst time. This guy's been around forever. He's got a storied career. Um, and uh, he is uh, somebody who we researched for a long time before we appeared in front of him. And, uh, you know, we have a deep respect and admiration for, for, his, for, for what he's done. Uh, he had um, recently let out Ryan Nichols after two years of pretrial incarceration uh, because Ryan could not get meaningful access to discovery outside of that you know he has not necessarily been kind he hasn't been really harsh but he hasn't been kind either to january sixers i think that's a fair assessment mm -hmm. but he's 85 years old he recently found out that there's another thousand indictments coming and he just we said was look there's another thousand indictments coming on the record yesterday and i don't want to do this for the next four to five years so I'm retiring as of January 31st. The case is going to get transferred. I hate to do it, but I'm uh, not interested in this going forward. And, you know, that, that, that says a lot. You can infer a lot of things from that statement. You have the most senior judge on yep. the court stepping away saying, look, this is going in a direction that I'm just not willing to be a part of this anymore. You're and saying it's not just like, hey, I'm old. That's a, that's a big workload. No, 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 no. This guy, he's a, he's, a, he's a brilliant judge, and he's been around for a long time. 
And if this, if, if this had to do with, 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 with workload, like per se, or him just being too tired, he would have owned it. But I just think that, yep. you know, the D.C. circuit and the D.C. district court is, is known for having all these really beautiful constitutional cases, uh, cases that are critical to democracy coming through. And that's what he's been used to and accustomed to all this time, national security matters. And what, January 6th is going to be on replay for the next seven years? Like, he's like, I'm not doing that. It's ridiculous. I'm out of here. So could you give us a sense of, in my mind, even if you buy into the government's narrative of January 6th, they have already done an amazing job hunting down anyone who breathed the wrong way. They have roped in, you know, such a liberal uh, definition of a criminal uh, and we've already seen that with what we've seen. It's so appalling. What does it mean that you're going to rope in another thousand to this? What type of people? It, it is exactly what we said it is. They are going after political dissidents and they're going and, and they're also letting everybody else know that if you show up as a character witness, if you show up as a fact witness, if you show up as an expert witness in any of these other January 6th cases, we will arrest you too. If you have any association, any positive thing to say about January 6th or any negative thing to say about President Biden to the point where you're willing to come into court and go on the record about it, we will go after you. We will go after your family. We will silence you. We will disenfranchise you. We will put your loved ones in jail. We will remove your family's ability to function in the marketplace and we will render you destitute and useless uh, because that's what we can do because we have all the power and shut up because you can't do anything about it um okay well that's that's not your everyday tax spending abortion gun debate uh this is again reverting back to pre-enlightenment governance uh this is a pretty big deal it's imminent it's upon us so you're saying to be clear this is not a matter of oh you know we've done a good job but we still miss some of the people that we're doing the appalling act of being in the Capitol and moving around Pelosi's lectern. No, listen, we were warning about this last year and we were saying they are hunting people down. Oh, you're being extremist. You're saying this, you're saying that. That was year one, year two. They're hunting more people down. They're not stopping. Now they're going from the inside of the Capitol to the outside of the Capitol. They're not stopping. Okay, you're an extremist, Joe. Maybe you're a little bit too much uh, too out there on this, Daniel, whatever it is. Now we're talking about four to five more years of this stuff. They're going after everybody. The gloves have long been off. The search is on. People are going to be continue to be rounded up. And if American citizens do not wake up, Maybe when they get thrown into a cell for having the wrong ideas one day, maybe it'll hit them then. So to so to be clear, this is what they're doing with the new almost a billion dollars that was thrown at the FBI by Mitch McConnell and, and in my view, facilitated by Kevin McCarthy because he joined with it when it mattered in September and only, you know, flipped after the he knew he was in trouble. And that's why McConnell didn't respect him because he knew it wasn't sincere about it. And that's why he went through with it. This is what they're doing. They now have more money. They're juiced up. And and this is where they're at. Um, so here here's the thing. Until now, they've never gotten a fair trial. It's been all judicial proceedings on motions, 
uh, pretrial motions, all the different you know motions about about pretrial, and it's been literally one sided. Do you think that finally, once you get to present your case, the tide will turn? Well, it all depends on if the rules apply or not. They are a materially dishonest, uh, immoral group of losers who are incapable of winning according to the rule of law. You're talking about DOJ lawyers? The DOJ and their lawyers. They are losers in every sense of the word, and I emphasize that fact. They have no morals, and they lack skills, and they lack any moral compass. Because if they had any of those things, they would have walked off of the job long ago. That is number one. Number two, for instance, Richard Barnett's case is one of the most famous cases around. That trial starts Monday. That case, no fact has changed in that case since January 6th because he was arrested when he turned himself in on January 8th. They, after two years, after we have been, after we had a pretrial schedule, motions, getting ready to, 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 to try the case, they had a sense that we were going to beat them on the biggest charge, on the 1512 obstruction charge. They had a sense that we were going to beat them. So what did they do 10 days ago, less than two weeks ago, whatever it is? They superseded and they reindicted him with another serious federal charge called civil disorder, which not only looks at his actions inside of the Capitol, but also looks at everything he did outside of the Capitol that day. And if they can connect him to any kind of mob-related activity that might have happened, and he says, you know, oh, I disagree with you, officer, or this, or screw Joe Biden on that, and if, he, if they can rope up his speech into the greater uh, conduct of other people that day, then they're trying to, then they're going to try to convict him on this. I, I want people wrong. to understand this, and I have a column out explaining this, but you could explain this a lot better than I can. Um, guys, look up 18 U.S.C. 231A3, and, you know, it's whenever uh, or whoever commits or attempts to commit in any act to obstruct, impede, or interfere with any fireman or law, law enforcement officer lawfully engaged in the lawful performance of his official duties incident to and during the commission of a civil disorder, yada, yada, you can get up to five years in prison. So... I have a problem here. You know, before January 6th, I mean, this statute seems unconstitutionally vague in the sense that if you read it literally, it sounds like, okay, let's say you have potentially a riot, a disturbance going on, and you have anyone, whether they're a part of the protest, they believe in it, don't believe it, incidentally there, and they go up to a cop and say, hey, uh, you know, show me directions. Or, Or if they just say, go up to the cop, you know, you know, hey, guys, stop being unnecessarily rough or something like that. Can't they be impeding a law enforcement officer while he is engaged in official duties incident to a civil disturbance? Uh, the technical answer um, is is yes, but the courts, people, lawyers have, 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 con- have challenged this, this law all over the place. So the courts have admittedly said, hey, look, there are problems with this law. And because of that, uh, amongst the things that you need to do, you need to have had been violent. There needs to be some type of violent act involved. And absent a violent act, this law should not apply. So the question is, was Richard Barnett violent? That is the unequivocal no. 
The, Wait, are, the are they saying the putting the shoes? So, so for the audience that doesn't remember, because uh, there's a bunch of different names that you might mix them up, Richard Barnett is the guy with his shoes up on uh, Pelosi's desk. So my understanding is that's not what they're charging him for. Well, when it comes to that, this, this charge, right, there was a period of time where when he was told, hey, you can't be in this office, he says, okay, I'll leave. And then he went into the rotunda, and the Capitol Police and Metropolitan Police, they pulled people in the rotunda, and they created this, this, this really this circular, they were, all these people, all these protesters were surrounded by the police, and all this tension happened. Richard left his flag in Pelosi's office. So he, not believing that he did anything other than protest and maybe trespass, he said, hey, I need to go back here and get my flag. It's special to me. And there was a back and forth between him and the officers. They're trying to say that he formed some kind of attack line and, and, and was threatening the cops in, 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 a, in a menacing way, when that's just not true. Yeah. He was saying, hey, I'm closest to the, to the door to Pelosi's office, so I'd just like to go back and get my flag. If I can't get the flag, can you just go back and get it for me? Be a patriot. Other than that, that's all he did. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to criminalize. That's political speech. Right. It's, I'm talking about my flag. Hey, I showed up. He's to like, hey, I need to get my flag. So they're saying you are impeding and distracting, obstructing a law enforcement officer during a civil disorder. Right. But, Daniel, the important the hook here, the hook is that the Eighth Circuit and other courts have said that that's not enough. You need to have you need to add violence. To of that. course, that absent violence that you don't cross the threshold. My co-counsel on this. Jonathan Gross wrote a, a brilliant motion on a 231 charge, a motion to dismiss, a motion to, to, to say, hey, all the courts in the land say that this is the standard. Yep. And you need to apply the standard here. And if you apply the circuit court standard, the standard that's applied in 10 plus courts across the United States of America, there's no way that he can be guilty of this charge. So yep. um, if there's a way for me to, to – we'll send that motion to you, Daniel, if you want to make it available for your readers because he, he did a fantastic job. And the question is, is, number one, I don't believe that the government can overcome it. And number two, will the court follow the law? And we will know straight out of the gate with yes. regard to this charge. If this charge isn't dismissed, then we're going to know that the court we're, is we're not gonna know going to follow they, the law. Gonna, so you're saying, again, to be clear – the, the, the statute, as taken super literally, is unconstitutionally vague, but the courts have said, obviously, you can't take it that way. So historically, they haven't applied it this way. But if you start applying it as DOJ wants to do, um, like I say in my column, that would probably rope in several million BLM people, several million, because it would – I mean, forget about even – you know, I'm not even getting into the fact that it would be already be roping uh, in almost anyone there. But if you just count the amount of people that we always saw were taunting, cursing at the police, um, certainly distracting them, impeding their duties, um, much. I mean, I'm not even getting to the you know thousands upon thousands of people that were directly violent, vandalizing, looting, committing very black and white crimes that are you know um, just you know crimes that the average citizen would understand should be crimes. Um, not these like technical gotcha things. Uh, this is, it, it, you know, it's not about, I don't want to get so much into the weeds for our audience here. It's the broader picture that juxtaposed to BLM, 
equality under the law, they are applying a standard that would have roped in millions of their people. It makes no sense. It would essentially criminalize most protests we've experienced from all different issues for the last hundred years in America. Um, so that leads me to kind of the punchline here. On this two-year anniversary of what we like to call Ray Epps Day, to them, <laughs> January 6th is a punchline that right-wingers um, want to overthrow the government, that they attempted to get into the Capitol and somehow destroy all the government and with the helmet horn guy um, and no weapons of meaning, meaningful capacity somehow overthrow the Pentagon and we were going to rule the land. And therefore, anyone who has the belief subsequently um, is, uh, you know, like Al-Qaeda and they need to be hunted down. That's essentially what it means. What, do, what should January 6th mean to us? January 6th should mean to us that when you look at the Constitution and you think about the protections of free speech and you look at the point of intersection between civil disobedience and political speech, what was permissible and not permissible leading up to that day, we know based on what we watched with BLM and Antifa for the preceding two years that the scope of the protection has increased the scope of political yeah. speech of what yeah. was criminal and what was not criminal, that conduct had, had widened and even more violent conduct was considered permissible within the ambit of the First Amendment. And then all of a sudden, it stops on January 6th. That is wrong. January 6th, if America abides and can get through this administration and can get a legitimate president back into office, and we can get our constitutional republic back on its feet, we'll be our second Independence Day going forward, because this is the stand where we make, that the stand that we make on behalf of the Constitution of the United States. This is where we protect the Constitution of the United States, everything that everyone has fought for, everything that everyone has bled for, the reason why people from all over the world, of all faiths and all people and all colors and all creeds and all ethnicities and races come here is because the Constitution protects us all, gives us the right to say to the president, you know, we think you suck, and we could do a whole bunch of other things as well. And if we lose this war, this war for freedom, this war for the preservation of our constitutional republic, then it's over. And if, and if we get through this, and if we get past this, we're going to look back at January 6th as the day that we can say that the Constitution proved itself in real life. It's, an, it's a document that abides. It's a document that's inspired. It's a document that's applicable. It's eternal. It lives on in perpetuity. And it's the foundational bedrock cornerstone of this republic. And if we can do that, that'll be a glorious day. But if we don't fight, if people do not wake up, if people do not participate, if people do not start speaking out in their houses of worship, in their places of business, and in their homes and start correcting the madness that's going on, it's going to be over within the next five years. I don't even think it'll be that much time. I no. think we got two to three years at tops. So speaking of, of, of this, uh, you know, speaking out, um, well, there's no one with a greater platform than members of Congress. Uh, you know, Republicans, there's a lot of talk. Kevin McCarthy has been very prolific about this, that we need to investigate a politicized FBI and DOJ. And that's kind of a universal talking point. 
But do you have much confidence that you're hearing specifically that they're going to address the J6 defendants? So I have worked with multiple members of Congress over time um, regarding the plight of, of January 6th defendants, regarding the atrocious behavior that has taken place in these prisons, and regarding the abject security failures and the very real legitimate uh, select committee that needs to be formed to in- actually investigate what happened that day and not this dog and pony show that we've seen that was ran by Liz Cheney and, and Adam Kinzinger, right? So amongst the people, there's, there's been a cohort of people who have been from the Freedom Caucus mainly who have been behind us. But even now, as these deliberations continue, um, I, I fear and I hear that some of those people may have may, may be dropping off. But I do know, I do know that there are certain people who who will never give up the pursuit for truth and justice regarding all things January 6th. You have Representative Gosar, you have Matt Gates, you have Congressman Clay Higgins, you have new blood in there like Congressman Corey Mills out of Florida, somebody who wants to see and learn and know, and know about the truth. And, and then you have other people who have, you have Byron Donaldson, another one. But then you have other people who were once really gung-ho about this who don't seem to be so gung-ho about it anymore. And I'm not going to call those people out yes. by name, but I'm wondering what the heck is going on. And I certainly hope that they haven't betrayed us because if yes. they've betrayed us, if they betrayed January 6th, then they betrayed this country. Because the reason why I ask you is it, it, this reverberates across all issues that Republicans are very good at like, what do you mean? I gave it to you. We're, we're, we're doing the FBI thing. We're doing the border thing. And they'll broadly indulge our talking points. But the meat and potatoes, the it of it, they won't touch. Just like vaccine injury will not cross their lips, much less agenda. So it's the same thing here. Broadly, yeah, the FBI is kind of politicized. Well, no, that's not really a good characterization of what is going on. It's it's almost like a Fourth Reich suspension of basic human rights. And, you know, that's got to be dealt with. And you, you can't dance around the January 6th issue anymore with everything we know. Um, our, our, January 6th is the issue. It is the issue because that meaning it, it's the, the same way COVID was the great reset and bodily autonomy rights and everything. January 6th was used as a catalyst to criminalize our political beliefs. And you can't buy into that narrative anymore. And, you know, McCarthy was very adamant, got into it, never gave a mea culpa and has never shown a willingness that you actually really get it. And that's the concern there. And this is just underscores the first part of the show, why we're doing what we do, why we need to make this surgery, because a GOP House, as it was currently constituted, was absolutely not going to deal with this. I know you can't speak to specific issues. you got to go in a couple minutes. Um, closing two minutes. You, you, you can't speak to a specific case, but... Do you believe we're going to be shocked by certain revelations of what did and didn't happen to precipitate the violence on that day? Uh, look, if the truth comes out, absolutely. Look, there's a reason why they, the, the, the United States government had the Kennedy assassination file sealed 
for, for, for decades and decades and decades because they did not want the truth to come out. There's a reason why Pfizer and Moderna are asking to have their record sealed for the next 70, 80, 100 years because they don't want the truth to come out. The problem with January 6th is that the cameras were rolling and that there were too many people there for the truth not to come out. It's going to come out one way or the other. It's either going to be through the process or it's going to be around the process when this is all said and done. But when the truth does come out, people will be shocked. People will be shocked to their core. Look, if you thought that, if you said, hey, I think the CIA participated in JFK's assassination a year ago, even after all this time, everything that people knew, people could still call you a conspiracy theorist. But now your conspiracy has been justified. We know unequivocally that the CIA participated in the assassination of the sitting president of the United States. That is not hyperbole. That happened. And we are saying that about this Congress. Kevin McCarthy is going to be speaker. People like it or not, I think he's going to get confirmed today. It's January 6th. From what I know, from my insiders that I talk to, it sounds like it sounds like they made the deals last night, and it sounds like it's going to happen today. If it doesn't happen today, then fine, it doesn't. But I think that it's going to happen. He has a very clear choice to make. Will you, as the speaker, honor your word to the members of the Freedom Caucus who told you that January 6th, the, the ability to investigate what happened that day through various committees and the formation of a new select committee, will you give the people the keys to the kingdom and let them do their job? Or are you going to obstruct justice? Are you going to obstruct the truth? Are you going to participate in the suppression of facts so you and, 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 and the swamp can continue to, 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 to do what the swamp does for the next 10, 15 years? Or, or are we going to have a change? And I tell you, we will know this within the first eight months. We will know if, if new committees have, if a new select committee has been formed by the summer, if uh, the House Judiciary Committee and the Oversight Committee aren't digging into uh, the January 6th issue with full force with, by, by, by March and April, then, then, then Congress is no longer with us. But if we begin to see these things up front, if we begin to see these things uh, happening sooner than later, then, 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 then there's hope. And I can only hope that uh, that God will, 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 will speak to these people and, and inspire these people and that these people will, will, will listen to, to, to their constituency and, and, and act on, 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 the, on the side of righteousness, righteousness for, for one in their thinking political life. Well, may God be with you with these trials. Again, it's not just about these individual defendants. This is about each and every one of us. Um, it has nothing to do with, we can no longer say, hey, I'm not a rowdy guy. I won't go to the Capitol and kind of make a mess. It has nothing to do with that. Um, and they're making that very clear. Thank you for what you're doing. Keep us posted. And like you said, whether in the process or outside of it, it will be exposed. The truth will come out. This case lived by cameras. It will die by cameras. That's, I think, what we could safe, safely say. God bless you. Till next time, folks. I am pretty much out of time. Send your comments, questions, concerns to Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com. Have a terrific weekend, and God bless you all. 